The text for this morning's service is from Hosea 5, verse 15 and 16. Let's read that once again. Though you commit adultery, O Israel, let not Judah become guilty. Do not go to Gilgal, do not go up to beth and do not swear as surely as the Lord lives. The Israelites are stubborn, like a stubborn heifer. How can the Lord pasture them like lambs in a meadow? After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 23, stanzas 1, 2, and 3. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, those who live in cattle country will notice that every once in a while, a cow wanders off and gets lost. If you were to ask a rancher how a cow gets lost, then chances are that he will reply, well, the cow starts nibbling on a tuft of green grass, and then when it finishes, it looks ahead to the next tuft of green grass and starts nibbling on that one. And then it nibbles another tuft of grass next to a hole in the fence. It then sees another tuft of green grass on the other side of the fence. So it nibbles on that one and then goes on to the next tuft of grass. The next thing you know, the cow has nibbled its way into being lost. Cows are dumb animals. Like any animal, one of its basic instincts is to get food. And it wants the lushest grass wherever it can find it. As long as the cow gets what it wants, then it is satisfied. A cow likes the freedom to graze wherever the grass is greenest. Cows don't like fences. Well, that's also what we are like. And that's also what the text of this morning tells us. The Lord God compares the Israelites to stubborn heifers. Israel wants freedom. It wants freedom to do what it likes. But, and Israel does not want to be constrained in any way. And so the Lord God warns them that that will be their downfall. And by giving Israel that warning, he also gives you and me the same warning. He warns us about wanting too much freedom. When you have too much freedom, you run the danger of becoming lost, utterly lost. In the end, you may never find your way back again. You will be lost forever. That's the curse of a life without boundaries, a life of too much freedom. That's also the theme for this morning's service. I will preach to you about the curse of too much freedom. First, we will look at the gift of freedom. Secondly, the abuse of freedom. And then finally, the curse of freedom. Nation Israel, the nation Israel had a wonderful history. The Lord God had given them much. And they were chosen to be God's special people. 
As such, they were greatly blessed and given many wonderful promises. The Lord told them that from their nation, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, would be born. And he gave them many other promises and privileges. And the Israelites, of course, were well aware of this. They knew their history, and they passed that history on from generation to generation. They knew about their father Abraham, and that the Lord God had made wonderful promises to him and his descendants, the nation Israel. The Lord had promised to Abraham that he would give him and his offspring the land of Canaan. And there were many places in Canaan that reminded them also of those promises that God made and kept. And one of those places is mentioned here in the text. For in verse 15, it speaks about Beth-Avon. As we will see in a moment, that actually refers to Bethel. That place has quite a history in Israel. For it was there that God made the promise to Abraham to give him and his descendants the land of Canaan. And Bethel was also the place where Jacob encountered God after he fled from his father-in-law Laban. God revealed himself there to Jacob as the God of Bethel. And Jacob also built an altar there because of that wonderful revelation. Bethel was also one of the three cities to which Samuel the prophet would come each year to make sacrifices and to judge the people. And so the people knew all about that. They knew their history. They knew the significance of that city of Bethel. Text also mentions Gilgal. Also that place was well known by the Israelites. It also had quite a history. Gilgal was situated between Jericho and the Jordan and was the first place that Israel came to and stayed at after they crossed the Jordan. What a joyful time that was. That is what Israel had been waiting for for 40 years as they wandered in the desert, in the wilderness. Finally, they're at the promised land in Canaan. And the land that God had promised to them already 600 years prior to Abraham and his offspring. And now God kept his promise. And Gilgal is the first place where they erected memorial stones to the Lord to commemorate that wonderful event. And right after this, Gilgal also became Joshua's base of operations. And some 400 years after that, Saul also used that town for the same purpose. For it was from Gilgal that he would attack the Philistines. In the early monarchy, Gilgal had become an important political, religious, and military center. Gilgal was also one of the other cities that Samuel included in his yearly circuit. And so these two cities reminded Israel of the wonderful events that had taken place in the past. The Lord God had shown his mercy to his people and taken them from all the other nations, given them a land flowing flowing with milk and honey. He had rescued them from their enemies in miraculous ways. He had done that time and again. They had been given great freedom to to enjoy everything that God had given them. 
In that regard, Israel reminded of paradise. Paradise was also a wonderful place. Every enjoyable thing, every enjoyable thing imaginable, imaginable was available there to Adam and Eve. And they had been given total freedom by the Lord God to enjoy God's creation. God even made Adam and Eve his representatives here on earth. And they had been given the freedom to go wherever they wanted in that beautiful garden. And in so doing, they also had to give glory to God. But you know what happened? They scorned that freedom. They rebelled against him. For what did they do? They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and disobeyed him. They did not want to be constrained in any way. They scorned the freedom that they had and they wanted even more. And God's people Israel continued in that same fashion. God's people disobeyed him in every way possible. That brings us to the second point. The text says, do not go to Gilgal do not go up to Beth-Avon. Why would they not be allowed to go up to Gilgal, the place with that wonderful history? Well, do you know what happened in Gilgal since that time of the early monarchy? Gilgal had become a place of idol worship. That is where a temple was set up for the heathen gods. Gilgal, instead of being a place where God was remembered for his wonderful deeds, had become a place of idolatry. That is where they worshipped the fertility gods of the heathens. That is where the male prostitutes were stationed and where sacrifices were made to gods that did not exist, wooden sticks. It had become a place of utter immorality. And Bathaven, well, as I said, Bathaven was another name for Bethel. The word Bethel means house of God. But Hosea changed the name to Bethaven. That word me means house of evil. The people that Hosea addressed knew exactly what Hosea was referring to. That he was actually talking about Bethel. Bethel became a curse as soon as Jeroboam became the first king of the ten northern tribes of Israel. One of the first things that Jeroboam did was to set up the golden calf there. Jeroboam also established a new priesthood to serve there in Bethel. And he came with a new religious calendar as well. He rewrote the way that the Israelites worshipped. Why would he do that? Well, in order to make it easier for the people so that they could worship him in the way that suited them best. Now they didn't have to go to Jerusalem, which was now an enemy territory in Judah. And now they could stay within the boundaries of the ten northern tribes and worship God at Bethel. In so doing, Jeroboam totally watered down the true religion. He changed it to suit his purposes and the purposes of the people. He wanted to broaden the boundaries of God's laws. He wanted to give them greater freedom than God had given them because that's what suited them better. 
And now you can understand why Hosea says, do not go to Gilgal. Do not go to Beth-Avon. These are evil places. And then he adds something else. He says, and do not swear as surely as the Lord lives. Where does that come from all of a sudden? Well, that is one of the greatest complaints the Lord God has with his people. They make all kinds of promises, and they do so in the name of the Lord. But in reality, it's only words. They don't keep their promises. They do not act in accordance with their words. That's also what Isaiah says in the beginning of the chapter in verse 2. And there is only cursing, lying, and murder. Why is that such a terrible sin? Well, the bedrock of relationships, brothers and sisters, is the making and keeping of promises. That is how relationships are established and maintained. That is how God established his relationship with us. He made his promises. He made a promise just a moment ago to that little baby to grant Jonathan DeWitt, who was just baptized. And it's a promise that he made to you and me at our baptism. And those are promises he will keep. But we may not wander away from him. He is the God of promise. And he made a wonderful promise in paradise already after the fall into sin that he would defeat Satan on our behalf. And he kept that promise through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he made the promise that he would forgive us all our sins and give us eternal life. And brothers and sisters, you can be sure of that. Can you imagine if God were not true to his word? And therefore... He expects us also to keep our promises. When we promise to be faithful to him, then he also expects us to keep that promise. And when we promise to be faithful in our human relationships, in our marriages, and with our children, then he also expects us to keep our promises. And you see, that's exactly what the Israelites were not doing. And they suppressed the weak and the poor of society. Those who were in power, the upper class and the middle class, they only made sure that they would have justice for themselves. They didn't care about anybody else. Although they promised to deal fairly with others, they did not keep those promises. And that was an abomination in the sight of the Lord. And so you see, the Israelites stepped outside of the boundaries that God had set. They even worshipped other gods. That means that ultimately they worshipped they, they worship themselves. They used their so-called gods to serve their own interests. They lied and they cheated and broke their promises. Brothers and sisters, we see that kind of thing all around us. We live also in a world that makes up its own gods and worships them. The people worship the god of fertility, as you find them in the stock exchanges and the big businesses and in the large unions. This world worships fame and success. 
They worship themselves. And they want to have the freedom to do whatever they like. If a pregnancy is too inconvenient, well, terminate it. Do you want to break your wedding vows? Sure, get a divorce. Do you want to have sex with whomever you like? Go for it. Let no one stop you. There is no end to the perversion that is practiced and promoted in this day and age, and it is getting worse and worse. At one time, this was a nation built on Christian principles. It no longer is. What happened? Well, little by little, people wanted more freedom. They nibbled a little bit at this and a little bit at that, and they wanted more. They stepped outside of the boundaries that God had set, and more and more, they walked away from the good shepherd. And you see, that is what God warns us against. He warns me and you, brothers and sisters. He also warns you, boys and girls. He warns all of us, young and old, not to start nibbling on the other side of the fence. He tells you and me to get our fill close to the good shepherd. He may not always feed us with the food that we like, but you know that it will be good food, wholesome food, not junk food. Only the food and drink that he gives you has the right nutrients. Don't wander away from him. That is Hosea's warning. And it can start off very innocently. For example, it doesn't matter what church I go to. They're all Christians. Let me worship where I feel most comfortable. Let me worship there where they are not so strict, where I can do what I want and get lost in the crowd, where the preaching is easy to accept because it speaks mostly about God's love and not about his anger against those who sin. And I can serve him wherever I like, can I? That's the kind of self-serving worship Hosea is warning against. For that is exactly what Israel was practicing. And as they wandered away from the truth, they went farther and farther afield. First, Israel set up their worship in Bethel and Dan. And there they pretended to be worshiping the Lord God who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they worshiped him in the form of a calf. And it went from bad to worse. Israel wanted to taste the things of the world. And they thought that as God's people, they had the freedom to do so. And in the end, you no longer recognize their form of worship. They became just like the world around them. Brothers and sisters, young people, is that what you are about as well? What are the kinds of things you're nibbling at right now? Lottery tickets. Do you know what's next? Gambling houses and a gambling addiction. In the end, you can lose everything. What about marijuana? Are you nibbling on that? Do you know what that often leads to? Hard drugs. And what about alcohol? Oh, sure, there's nothing wrong with an occasional drink and a celebratory 
as long as it doesn't lead to binge drinking and drunkenness. And eventually it can lead to alcoholism and sex. Well, what's wrong with looking at a little pornography here and there? Everybody else is doing it. It's uh, readily available. Let's nibble at it a little bit. Or what's wrong with sleeping with my boyfriend or my girlfriend? After all, we are committed. We love each other. Nothing wrong with that, really. Pornography leads to slavery. Sex outside of the marriage relationship leads to all kinds of dire consequences. And what's wrong with making some minor promises here and there that you know you're not be going to be able to keep? What's wrong with telling your customers or your friends and relatives or even brothers and sisters in the Lord that you're going to do something even though you know that you won't be able to? You do that because you want the praise. You're just say, or you're just saying that to get them off your back, to make yourself look good. What's wrong with that? People will understand that I'm a busy man. Well, broken promises, little broken promises, lead to big broken promises. Don't make promises you can't keep. You see, that's what Israel did. And God curses them for it. Do you know how you recognize a Christian? A Christian is someone who keeps his promises. A Christian is someone who is reliable. The Israelites, they were having all kinds of divorces, not keeping the promises they were making there. And he also warned strongly against that. Brothers and sisters, we need boundaries. Do you know why? Boundaries are there to keep you safe. Think of fish in a tank. Those who have an aquarium will know that you had better keep a lid on your tank, for fish have been known to jump right out of the aquarium. They want to go beyond their boundaries. But you know what happens when he jumps outside of that aquarium, don't you? It'll perish. It needs the confines of that aquarium. The walls of the aquarium are there to keep him safe. And why should they go outside of it? Within that aquarium, they have everything that they need. Well, that's also the way it is with us as God's children. God has set boundaries for us. Do you know what those boundaries are? There's a summary of that in God's commandments. Do you want to go beyond that? Well, then you put your eternal life in peril. In verse 15, Hosea says, Though you commit adultery, O Israel, let not Judah become guilty. Hosea addresses Israel, but he is speaking to her as if he is standing before a whore, as if he is standing before an outcast. And what does he do as he addresses her? He compares her to her sister Judah. He says to Israel that he is warning Judah not to associate with Israel and because Israel is someone to be avoided. She's a horror. She has wandered away from her first love, from the Lord God himself. Israel has completely gone beyond the boundaries that God has set. 
He says, have nothing to do with her, Judah. And Hosea says that in order to put Israel to shame. Israel has grossly abused the freedom that God has given her. And now Israel stands cursed. And do you know what that curse is? Well, that's what the next verse tells us. The curse is that God is going to give them all the freedom that they want. He says, the Israelites are stubborn like a stubborn heifer. How then can the Lord pasture them like lambs in a meadow? Now, in our translations, that doesn't make complete sense. In the New King James Version and other versions, you have a different translation. Closer to the original, it says, Now the Lord will let them forage like a lamb in open country. The Hebrew literally says, Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a broad pasture. Now that doesn't sound like a curse, does it? Actually, it sounds more like a promise. That's what a lamb wants, doesn't it? And that's what people want as well. They want God to pasture them, to feed them. And they want him to do that in as broad a place as possible. After all, they say, God is a good shepherd, isn't he? And he will pasture me wherever I am and whatever I'm doing and wherever I'm grazing. That's what God promised. Yes, he did. But that's not all he promised. He also promised that those who do not want to stay within God's laws, within the boundaries of his great love and care, that they will then end up in the domain of the devil. Because outside of the boundaries that God has set, the devil lurks. Brothers and sisters, do you know where a lamb belongs? A lamb belongs to its own flock. It belongs under its own shepherd. It cannot survive in wide open places. A lamb is one of the most helpless creatures you'll find. A lamb lacks sense. Therefore, it needs to be kept away from things such as poisonous plants. It needs to be kept away from the dangers that lurk in the rough landscape. It needs to be warned and protected against wild animals. Only within its own flock, within its own shepherd, will a lamb be, will a lamb be safe. Outside he will perish. And the same thing is true for you and for me. Outside of the flock, you run the danger of perishing. That's why you belong here in this church, not a church where God's word is not taken seriously, where they do not give warnings in the way that they should, where there is no discipline. Israel would not listen. It would not listen to a prophet such as Hosea who came with God's warnings. Israel wanted freedom to roam wherever it felt like. In the end, it no longer heard the voice of the shepherd. And so what does God say to them? Well, if that's what you want, then you can have it. Go for it. Do what you like. Follow your heart. I've set you free. You don't want to listen anyway. I will let you have your freedom, but that freedom is going to destroy you. And Hosea was not the only one who gave that warning to Israel. Amos said the same thing in chapter 4, verse 4. Go to Bethel and sin. 
Go to Gilgal and sin yet more. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three years. A parent may say that to a rebellious child at one point as well. To a child who has become of age and who no longer wants to listen any longer to his father and mother. He still lives at home, but he wants to get drunk all the time and use drugs. Doesn't want to come to church anymore. Well, then the point comes where you say, well, son or daughter, if that's what you want, then I will give it to you. I will give you your freedom. I will not nag you any longer. You don't listen to me anyway. Go. Go out into the world. That's where you belong. Do you think that it would not hurt a parent to say something like that? Of course it would. But a responsible and caring parent will say exactly that. And do you not think that it would have hurt God to say this to his nation Israel? Of course. But God does not compel Israel to worship her, him, nor any of us. He gives us a choice. He didn't make us like pre-programmed computers that will automatically obey its master's command. No, he wants us to worship him from the heart. He wants us to worship him because we love him. We love him for what he has done for us, for the protection that he gives us, for the way that he provides for us. If you truly love him, and if you see what the world has to offer, where in the end you will find nothing but slavery and misery and the pursuit of emptiness, then you will come back, and that's the hope. So the prodigal son did in the parable of the prodigal son. That's what God hopes, that Israel will return. But you know what happened, don't you? You know the history, Israel went into exile. That was the broad place where they were sent. And there, God's people became part of the heathen world. Oh sure, God still shepherded them there. God will also do that to us when we walk away from him and his people. But in the world it becomes harder and harder for us to hear his voice above the roar of the world. In the, in the exile, the Israelites were able to have their synagogues and to read their Bibles and to sing their psalms. By and large, however, Israel became lost. There were very, very few Israelites who came back to the promised land of Israel, to Canaan. And that's because Israel brought upon herself the curse of too much freedom. There's an English saying that goes, if you give a child enough rope, he will hang himself. That was the curse of Israel. Israel is compared to an unwilling cow who does not want to be pulled along the rope, but he wants to be free from its yoke. God's presence stifled them. Does God's presence stifle you? Do you want to play loose and fast with his laws? Do you want to nibble beyond God's boundaries? Is it too stuffy for you in this church? Be careful. 
The reality is, of course, that we all like our freedom, and therefore we do not keep God's laws as carefully as we should, and that's unfortunate. But therefore it is also wonderful to know that we have that good shepherd, that good shepherd that we read about in John 10. He says in verse 16 of our text that he does continue to pasture us even when we graze outside of the boundaries. God does not easily let us go. And that is a comfort also for those parents and friends of those who have wandered away from us. He keeps pulling us back. He forgives us our sins. But they have to be brought back within God's boundaries again. Otherwise, they will be lost, utterly lost, lost forever. You know who the great shepherd is, don't you? The Lord Jesus Christ. He said himself that he is the great shepherd and that we are his sheep. Know the voice of that shepherd, brothers and sisters. Listen to him as he pulls you back from the brink of disaster. And he will feed you. And he will give you drink. Only the Lord Jesus Christ will give you true freedom. Right now, Satan keeps on trying to claim you, to claim me. He keeps on trying to tell us to do our own thing, to be angry and to be full of hatred and anger towards others. He does not want you and me to keep any of God's laws. He does not want you to restrain yourself. And time and again, we need to escape him. We need to escape from his world full of greed and lies and cruelty. And we need to flee for safety with the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you do that? Through prayer, through repentance, through church going, through applying the word of God in your lives, in your hearts. Brothers and sisters, seek your physical and spiritual well-being with him. Graze in the pastures that he gives you. Only the food found there is truly delicious and wholesome. Only within his pasture will you be truly free. Free forever. Amen.